Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Acts chapter 2 tonight. The book of Acts chapter 2. Going to be sharing with you a little bit tonight what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart, especially in this in uh, in the season of that we find ourselves in. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, we talked. We begin to talk about the church, and we begin to talk about certain things that are needful in the church today, especially if we're going to be able to navigate. Uh, these waters that we're in, that we're going to na- uh, navigate the seasons that we are in right now. And uh, and a, f- a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the need uh, for fellowship in the church. And we talked about that aspect, about how a church that is going to navigate through these tough times and through these tough waters right now, uh, we need the fellowship. And we talked about the fellowship between us and God, and we talked about the fellowship between each other, and when we and we begin to talk about that when fellowship is broken, then really the church is broken, because that is very that is a very very vital part. And then last, uh, and then a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Lord took us in a different direction on what we uh, what I was planning on doing Wednesday night, and we talked about the need that God was calling the church to arise. And to cross over, and I'm telling you, you know, God, uh, I believe that God spoke to us out of that. And then, and then, Pastor preached uh, about uh, about Ezekiel and the dry bones. And I really feel like that all of this is kind of coming together uh, for us as to what God is wanting to to speak to us and to share with us here. And so, I want to begin before I take my text here tonight. I want to talk about this. How many tonight would like to have the favor of God on their life? Amen. Amen. How many, I mean, you would say, I would love to have the favor of God on my life. And I believe that God wants to bestow His favor on the church. I believe that God wants to show forth His favor to us in a powerful, powerful way. Now, I would be remiss as a minister of the gospel to to address right off the bat some misconceptions of what we of what we think favor actually is. See, we think a lot of the times that favor is that well, we have the favor of God and we have plenty of money in the bank. We think that we have experienced the favor of God if. You know, if we go through the drive-through at Chick-fil-A and we ordered you know an eight-count nuggets, and lo and behold, when we open the box and we count the nuggets, saying we actually got ten nuggets there, and you know, and so we start talking about man, we got that, that. That's the favor of God that is that is on our lives. Or you know, we go to the mall. And, you know, and, 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 we, and we drive around just praying for a close parking spot. And we drive around for two hours until finally a parking spot opens up that's right there next to the door. And we say, that's the favor of God. And I know, I know we joke and jest a little bit about that. 
But the truth of the matter is, a lot of the times, that's kind of what we relegate the favor of God to. We relegate the favor of God to if we have plenty of money in the bank, or if we, or if we, if we are in good health, if you know, if everything is at peace at home, if uh, if we're walking down the street and we find and we find a hundred dollar bill laying on the ground, we call that. You know, we may say that that is the favor of God. But what if I told you that maybe the favor of God on your life would cause a thirteen-year-old girl? To be ostracized by her community because she's a virgin and doesn't know a man. And all of a sudden, she's found out that she's pregnant and she's not married. But the Bible says that she's highly favored of God. What if I told you that sometimes the favor of God would put you on the run and you would hide out in caves. You would act crazy so that people wouldn't suspect anything. That's what King David did when the Bible says that he was favored of the Lord and he received the anointing of God on his life. What if I told you that the favor of God would get you sold into slavery? And then what you would be accused of rape. And then you would have to spend several years in prison. Well, that's exactly what happened to Joseph in the book of Genesis. Even though that the Bible said that the Lord was with him. You see, I think sometimes we have a misunderstanding really of what faith or what favor what the favor of the Lord is but I want to tell you tonight that if we are going to be the church that God has called us to be in these times and in this season we have to have the favor of God on our lives and that's where we bring to you tonight in Acts chapter number 2 Begin reading at verse number 42. The word of the Lord says this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. There's fellowship. And did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen. So tonight, that's what I want to talk to you tonight. I want to talk to you about the favor of God. I want to talk to you tonight about the favor of God for these last days. Amen? So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you here tonight, Lord God. I ask you, Lord God, that you would 
Help us to understand that you want faith, that you are putting your favor down on us, Lord God, that you have called us for such a time as this. God, help us to understand the favor that you want to pour out your grace and your mercy that you want us to receive tonight. And Father, I'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. 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 You see, the work that the church must do for God. And how many believe that we have a work to do? From the pulpit to the pew. From the pastors to what we would necessarily call the laity. And I don't really like that word all that much. But, but just so that we kind of understand. But from the pulpit to the pew. We all have a work that has to be done in the confines of what we call church. Of what God has called us to do. But the work that the church must do for God demands that we have God's favor. It demands that we have God's grace poured out on our lives. Because ultimately that's what favor means. Favor and grace are interchangeable. Because grace means God's unmerited favor. It is the favor that you and I did not deserve. We didn't do anything to deserve God's unmerited favor. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when we talk about the favor of God during this, we may talk about the favor of God, or we may talk about the grace of God. And so when we talk about both of those, it is interchangeable. The favor and the grace of God are the same. And we talk about, we talk about favor. And when we talk about favor, I think about Mary. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 30, the Bible says that when, when the angel Gabriel appeared unto Mary, the Bible says that he said, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Can you imagine an angel showing up in your bedroom, in your living room, a physical angel? It's not a feeling. It's not, it's not something that you think has been conjured up into your mind. It's not a goosebump that you feel, but a literal physical angel appears into your room and says, don't be afraid because you have found favor with God. And I thought about that. I thought about the church. I thought about how that so many times God has told the church, do not fear because you have found favor. You have found grace in the sight of God. And when I think about that, when I know that I don't have to fear because I have the favor or I have the grace of God, there is nothing to fear. There's no problem that's going to arise that I have to shrink back. There's no circumstances that are insurmountable that I cannot overcome. There is no situation that is too difficult for me to go through because I understand that when the grace of God has been applied to my life, when the blood of Jesus has been applied to my life, that put that that I am justified. Let's talk about justification here just for a second. You know what justification means? In layman's terms, it simply means just as if I have never sinned. That means that 
the, that the sins and, and the commandments and the laws that you have broken when you uh, when you act when you ask for Jesus to forgive you of your sins and the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life your record has been wiped away clean so when Satan who is the accuser of the brethren who stands before God's throne and accuses God's people day and night I think that Jesus just happens to turn around and look at the father and say do you know what he's talking about and I imagine that the father says no I really don't know what he's talking about because when I look at Pastor Tony's record or when I look at Brother Jeremy's record or when I look at my daughter's record or when I look at my son's record I only thing that I see is the blood of Jesus and so when the blood of Jesus has been applied to our lives then we know that we have been blessed and highly favored of the Lord so it doesn't matter if I have no money or if I have a million dollars it doesn't matter if I have good health or if my health is going in the toilet it doesn't matter if there's turmoil going on around me or whether or not if I or if I feel like I'm at peace I know that if I have the blood of Jesus applied to my life I don't have to be afraid because I have been favored of the Lord and so you see, we may be faced with things that are too big for us. And how many can testify tonight and say, there have been times that I have faced things that are just too big for me to handle. I can't handle them. And you're right. In and of ourselves, we simply cannot handle them. You see, we can't handle the onslaught, the persecution of the church in the world. In and of ourselves. We cannot handle ordinary circumstances. See, that's the reason why the world doesn't understand that we can have joy in the midst of everything that is falling apart. Amen. That's the reason why the world doesn't understand why, why the doctor can give us a bad report. But if our foundation is rooted in the blood of Jesus, and we know that the Bible says that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose, we understand we don't have to be afraid. Right. We don't have to be afraid no matter how big the things are because even though we may have to face things that are too big for us, there is nothing too great when God's favor is on our lives. See, when God's favor is on our lives, we'll have to go into the furnace, but not a singe, a fire, or smoke will come on us. We may have to go into the lion's den, but if the grace and favor of God is on our lives, 
then we may have to go into the lion's den. But the angel of the Lord will come down and will make that line so cuddly that you can just walk up to it and just lay down and use it as a pillow. You may have to face some giants in your life, but if the favor of God is upon your life, you can pick up a stone out of the brook and, and put it in your slingshot and take the giant that is in front of you down. You see, here's the thing. We may have to face some trials. We may have to face some difficulties. We may have to go through some trials and tribulations. And we're not here to deny those things. But one thing I do know, that when grace and when mercy and the favor of God has been applied to my life, there is nothing that I and the church can't overcome. Can somebody say amen? So how do we get this favor? How do we have this favor? How do we obtain this favor? How do we maintain this favor? And then, if somehow we find ourselves lost in the shuffle, how do we retain the favor of God? Let's talk about obtaining the favor of God. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. I love this. It's the first time that you find about favor in all of the Word of God. Because in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, the Bible says, And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Again, I said that grace and favor are interchangeable words. Because grace means God's unmerited favor. So you could say that Noah found favor and the eyes of the Lord. Well, how can that be? That in all of that mess that was going on, that Noah could find grace or he could find favor. Because everything was against him finding favor. Everything was against him finding grace. Genesis chapter 6 opens up by telling us that everything was evil. Men's hearts were evil continually. The, the wickedness was great. Men's hearts were evil. Everything was against him. And so all around Noah was corruption. But the Bible says that Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. And I got to thinking about the church in this season, in this time that we're in. The news will tell us that all the world is, is, is going to hell in a handbasket. The world, the news would like to tell you, and the world would like to tell you that everything is falling apart. Everybody would like to be able to tell the church, well, you ought to accept this type of lifestyle, and you ought to be able to accept this, and you know, we all need to do this, and we all need to do that, and we all need to remember the bumper stickers that used to say coexist on the back of them, and everything that we need to do is just all get together and just coexist. But in the midst of insurmountable odds, there was a man that stood up, and he said, listen, I don't go by the way of the world's standards. Not much was known about Noah at that time, other than the fact that the favor and the grace of God was on his life. And I want to tell somebody in this church tonight, and who may be listening by Facebook, that I want to tell somebody that, that every the odds may be against us. The odds may be look bleak. I tell you, it may look like that it is falling apart. 
waters. There needs to be a brother or a sister, a pastor, an evangelist, a prophet, or an apostle that will stand up and say, I'm not going to go by what everybody else is saying. I want to be the one that says, God found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Some, some would make excuses. And I don't know about you tonight, church, but I'm tired of hearing excuses in the church. Why it can't be done. Why we can't see a move of God. Why revival cannot happen. Noah is an example that you can find favor. Joseph, Genesis chapter 39 and verse 21 says, But the Lord was with Joseph. I mean, think about all that. Think about everything that Joseph went through. Because that flies in the face of our modern day teachings of what favor actually is. We wouldn't have said that he was, in most modern charismatic churches today, we wouldn't say that Joseph was favored. Because, my goodness, his brothers sold him out. God placed a dream in him. And Joseph shared it. That's the important thing. That's, but see, that's his issue. You can't share your dreams with everybody. Right. Because even though they may be in the pew sitting with you, and they may be, they may be going to the same church that you're going to, or they may be in your same family. My goodness, I'm preaching right now. Yes, you are. You can't share your dreams with everybody. Right. Because I find out there are some people who are dream killers. Right. Yes, yes. And that's what his brothers were. His brothers were dream killers. And they were going to kill him. But they sold him in, they threw him into a pit. And then they sold him into slavery. Well, that doesn't sound like the favor of God. But the Bible says God was with him. Yeah. He becomes the headmaster, the head of the household in Potiphar's house. And is in control of everything in Potiphar's house. Outside of Potiphar, Joseph was the man in the house. And temptation tried to come his way. And he resisted that temptation, was falsely accused. And because of that, he was thrown into prison. But the Bible says God was with him. He interprets dreams while he's in prison and he's forgotten in prison. But the Bible says the Lord was with him. He, is, he finally is able to interpret the dream of Pharaoh. And because of that, he is taken out and he finally arises to the second, to the second in command. He's the governor of all of, e of all of Egypt. And so much that finally, when he finally reveals himself to his brothers during the famine, he tells them, he says, listen, he says, whatever that was that you meant for evil, he said, God actually turned it around for good to save everybody. See, here's the thing. Favor is not necessarily about the fact that he is now the second in command, but it was the fact that every step of the way he, he maintained his integrity. And the Bible says that God was with him from the pit to the, to the prison and to the palace. God was always with him. And we've got to understand.
understand is that when the favor of God on our lives, it may look rough. We may have to be in the pit. We may have to go into the prison. But I want to tell you, there's a palace that is waiting for those that will be obedient to the call of God. Samuel found the favor of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 26, the Bible says that Samuel, as a child, was favored both with the Lord and also with man. But notice the sequence there. He couldn't find favor with man until he first had favor with God. You see, I think sometimes we get it backwards. And we're looking for the connection. We're looking for somebody to help us get ahead. We're, I, I know people like that. I know people like that in ministry. They don't want it. They don't want to. I'm just, can I just preach here while I, while I feel it just for a second here? They don't want to offend the biggest tithe payer in the church. Because lo and behold, what will happen if the biggest tithe payer in the church leaves and all that money begins to leave? Well, my God, preach the word. Right. Well, and if we can just get, if we can just get, if we can just get some other people, if we can just get some tithe payers, we big tithe payers to come in the church, then our money over can be over with it. If I could just, if I could just get to know the mayor, if I could just get to know the president, if I could just get to know this person or that person, and so we're trying to find favor with men without finding favor with God. But in order to find favor with man. You have to have the favor of God on your life first. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 say, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thy heart. And when you do that, you shall find favor with God. You shall find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Jesus also had to experience the favor of God on his life. Jesus, the Son of God, was also favored of God. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, the Bible says that Jesus, as a child, increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. You see, favor is important. We can't do anything as the church unless God shines down His favor on us. We can get together. We can plan. We can, co- can coordinate. We can, we can organize. And I'm not against any of that. I encourage that. It's needed. But you can do all of that. But if God doesn't put His favor on it, then it all falls apart. We become the foolish builder who built the house upon the sand. And when the storms come and the winds blow, it falls because it wasn't built on the rock. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and 33, He said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, And His righteousness and everything else shall be added unto you. You know how we obtain the favor of God? We seek God first. 
We do not seek His hand, but we seek His face. We don't seek the miracle. I'm afraid that too many times we simply come to church or we pray just so that we can receive something. Just so that we can get something. Just so that just so that one more time we can ring the bell and the cosmic bellhop will come to where we are and say, excuse me, what do you need? But we have to put the kingdom's agenda above our agenda. It is through that that we receive the favor of God. Because remember that favor is the prominent thing. The church in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 were praising God and having favor with everyone. So how do you maintain the favor of God? You see, there's a price to be paid to having the favor of God on our lives. It requires a pure heart. It's the most vital key to having the favor of God. We can be criticized for a lot. The church can be criticized for a lot. You know, there's a lot better preachers than I am. So a lot better singers than I am. I can be criticized for my style of preaching. I can be criticized for my style of singing. I can be cri- criticized for a lot of things. But if we have a pure heart, and the church has a pure heart, we cannot be criticized when the favor of God is poured out onto our lives. You see, when Isaiah saw God... And Isaiah 6 and 1, he saw God, he saw himself, and then he saw others. In Isaiah chapter 5, there were six woes that were pronounced. But after Isaiah sees God in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah steps back and says, Woe is me. Isaiah realized his impurity when he saw God and he confessed his unholiness and found favor with God. I'm going to say something here. I want you to listen. Growing up in a Pentecostal denomination and in Pentecostal movements and in Pentecostal churches all my life, we love the good services where everybody's shouting, running the aisles, climbing pews, falling out on the floor, speaking in tongues, words of prophecy are giving out, and we talk about the blessing. But when was the last time when God intervened, you were exposed of your brokenness, and you realized, I don't have it all together like I think I do. I think sometimes, and don't get mad at me, because I've been this way before. I think sometimes we have the Pharisees' mentality or the tax collectors' mentality that stands in the church and says, well, you know, I just thank God that I'm not like that person. And we compare ourselves to each other. And we will say things like, you know, 
I know, you know, I know I may do a few things that are, that are not right, but at least I'm not like that person over there. And you know what the Bible says? You see, you know, the Bible says, and I'm just going to talk here just for a second. The Bible says, I find it interesting, the Bible says, call no man a fool. But if you read in certain translations, the Bible also says that those that compare themselves among themselves are unwise. Some translation says that those that compare themselves among themselves are fools. And so, Isaiah realized it. Isaiah realized when God came in, he says, I've got to have him. I've got to be where he's at. It's not about him coming to where I'm at. It's, it's, like the, it's like the reporter one time that asked President Lincoln. And he said, you know, he says, whose side is the Lord on? He says, listen. He said, it's not about whether or not if, if I, he says, whether or not if the Lord is on my side or not. He says, what the important thing is, he says, is that I'm on the Lord's side. As a matter of fact, Joshua had that same question. When he saw the angel of the Lord, who I believe was a pre-incarnate form of Jesus Christ, standing there with his sword drawn as they were getting ready to cross over to do battle, they conquer over there. And he understood who he was seeing. And he said, are you for us or are you against us? And he said, neither. He said, nay or neither, but as the captain of the Lord's or the, or the armies of heaven. And Joshua took his shoe off of his feet and bowed himself down and began to worship. He wasn't worshiping an angel. He was worshiping a pre-incarnate form of Jesus Christ. And so for us to obtain the favor of God, and I'm trying to hurry, we must, when we see God, must experience the brokenness. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, there are three strong points concerning a young king named Hezekiah that gave us insight on gaining the favor of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, I'm trying to hurry, verse 4 says, He did that which was right in the sight of God. Verse 5 says, And he sought God. And in verse 6 it says, And he went forth. These points are exactly keys that unlock the door of favor of God for the church today. Do right. You'd be surprised at the number of people when forced with a decision have to ask themselves, what's right and what am I going to do? Seek God. Favor never comes without a constant seeking of the Lord. And then go forth. It doesn't take much approval to stay in the same place that we're all, all that we that we find ourselves in. It, it's like the elderly couple that that uh, the elderly husband and wife. They went to the they went to the county they went to the county fair, and he was trying to get his he was trying to get his wife on the merry-go-round and trying to say, hey, you know, take a ride with let's get on the merry-go-round and go. And she didn't want to have anything to do with it. And he said, well, he said, we can just wait here and I'm going to get on the merry-go-round and I'm going to ride it. 
And he got on and he, and he rode around on the merry-go-round and jumped off and said, hey, that was fun. That was a great ride. And she said, yeah. She said, that was a fun ride. She said, but you got off right where you started at. And I'm afraid a lot of us in the church were on the proverbial merry-go-round. We like the ride, but it always drops us off in the same spot, in the same place where we started. And oh yes, and I know I, 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 know I ruffle feathers, especially among my Pentecostal brothers and sisters when I talk about this. Oh yes, we, we, we love the goosebump. We love that and we attribute that to the favor of God. But true favor from God will take you into a different place than where you're at right now. I agree with that. Sure. Amen. And say, and the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, and God helped him. Because in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 7, the Bible says, and God helped King Hezekiah against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in the land. That's the divine result of those keys. And God has to help us. And then finally, retaining the favor of God. Some people that are sitting in our church pews across this land, they're sitting in a church pew, but they don't have the favor of God. You see, If we lose the favor of God, then we have to do the things necessary to get it back. Pastor Tony, I've seen men fail that had great education. They had the bachelor's, the master's, the PhD, and I've watched them fall. I've seen men that had plenty of money. Knew how to do business. And I've watched them fail. I've seen men fail that had plenty of natural ability. I won't call, I won't call the name because I don't, I, because I, you would know if I, if I mentioned. But in the mid-90s, you know, we had the the big scandal in gospel music where one of the greatest singers to ever walk, in my opinion, to ever walk on stage and sing note, song with Bill Gaither, had great natural ability, fell into temptation. Now thankfully God restored, sought repentance, and I praise God for that. But when we don't have the favor of God on our life, when we don't have the anointing of God on our life, when we try to operate by our own ability, our natural ability, our natural education, our natural resources, the end result is always failure. But I've never seen a man or a woman fail that had the anointing and had the favor of God on their life. Now that's not to say that they always did everything perfect. That's not what I'm saying. 
But what I am saying is, is that with the favor of God, they knew, they knew where to go back. They knew what to do. You see, maybe our problems at times is that we seek the favor of men, rather the favor of God. And I know people today that can only recount times what it's like to have the favor of God. And sometimes we find ourselves like Samson of old. We've lost our power, we've lost our influence, and we've lost our vision. But you know what the scripture is that I love in the book of Judges as it relates to Samuel? Is that the Bible says, how be it, the hair of his head began to grow again. And as he stood between those pillars in brokenness, he said, God, one more time, will you allow me to experience the favor and the anointing of God on my life? Lord, do it again. And I believe you'll play something for me. I believe that God is waiting for the church to cry out and say, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. There's a lot of churches that have lost vision. There's a lot of churches that have lost their power. There are a lot of churches that have lost their favor. But in this season that we're in, we need a church that will cry out and say, God, do it again. There are times that I that I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be honest with you. There are times that I have fallen flat on my face because I know I missed the mark. And here's the thing about missing the mark. Are you ready? When you're shooting at a target. Your goal is to hit the bullseye. And so it doesn't matter if you miss it by this much or if you miss it by this much. If you can't hit the bullseye, you have missed the mark. And there's been times that I've had to I've had to ask the Lord, Lord, do it again. I need your I need your touch again. I've relied on my own ability or what I thought should be done. But God, I need your favor. And I said this, I said all of this to say to get to this point. The day and the age that we live in, the battles that we're 
that we are getting ready to face. I don't, I, I have said this time and time again. I, and I'm going to, I'm being very, very careful with the words that I'm saying because I understand that this is going to go out to, there's people watching on Facebook. And this is going to go, this message that I'm preaching is going to go out to countries around the world here within less than an hour. If the election, and I'm not trying to be political here, if the election in November, and I'm talking about the presidential election, if the election does not go the way that certain groups of people don't want it to go in the next term I truly believe you're going to see a catastrophic event take place and then if a certain group of people have their way and remove the person who is in office church you better have the favor of God on your life. Because it's no longer going to be about whether or not, whoo, I got favor because I, you know, somebody gave me a $100 bill today. And I'm blessed and highly favored of God. No. The favor of God will help you to stand when all persecution is coming against you. The favor of God will help you to say, take away all of my rights but I'm still going to serve the Lord I'm going to say this and then we'll have a time of corporate prayer I love reading Fox's book of martyrs if you've never read Fox's book of martyrs you need to read it it is powerful and I believe it's in that book it may be if it's not in that book, it's in some of the other church histories. A man by the name of Polycarp. When Rome and Nero and all of them, I'm, I could share with you stories that would, he would light his palace with the bodies of Christians, put them on stakes and use them as lanterns. When Rome burned, he blamed the Christians so that everybody would start killing the Christians. They arrested Polycarp and was getting ready to take him to the stake to tie him up and to burn him. And the guard had fell in love with this man had formed a bond with him knew that there was nothing wrong with this man this man was not a threat to the Roman Empire he was just preaching the gospel and declaring the gospel and he cared about this man and he would tell him you don't have to die all you've got to do is just say Caesar is Lord and you can be saved you, can, you don't have to die And Polycarp wouldn't, wouldn't relent. You see, it, it, here's the interesting thing. And I know 
Y'all probably get tired of hearing me say this and, and, and get annoyed every time that I say it. But Polycarp wasn't rebuking and declaring and decreeing all this stuff away. He wasn't. He was going to die. And nothing was going to change that. It was God's will for him to go to that. I know that's hard to hear at times. When we talk about the favor of God, I know that's hard to hear. But God's will took him to the post to die. And while he was going, that guard was begging and pleading with him. Just say it. You don't even have to mean it. Just say it so you don't have to die. And I can't remember how old he was, but he said, all these years, I've been faithful to God. I'm not about to deny him right now. And they tied him to that post. And they lit him on fire. And he laid down his life for the cause of Jesus. Favor will take you into the fire. But you'll stand strong because you know in your heart. For me to live is Christ. But to die is gain. And if we're going to navigate these waters, we've got to have the favor of God on our lives. Do you believe that? Stand with me all over this house. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry.